Peak Performance Plus presents the Summit Club Podcast, your business roundtable discussion for sales and business leaders with your host, Bill Stats. Hi, Bill Stats, and welcome to podcast episode number nine. It's an advanced session of team building, and today I'm with John, JT, and Rick, and we're going to be focused on leadership and the behaviors of leaders in high-performance teams. So with that, Rick, take it away. Thank you, Bill. Well, we ended the uh, last episode, uh, if you've listened to it, with me making the statement that uh, I don't really believe you can have a high-performance team without a good leader. So I thought it would be helpful, since we stopped there, to pick up there and get everybody's thoughts on whether they believe that's true or, or not true. So gentlemen, what do you think? I think conflict it's one of, I think I mentioned it in the, in the, the last session, um, number eight. Lencioni and five dysfunctions of a team, it's where the starting point is. There's an absence of conflict, and that means you don't get stimulated, good ideas and input. And so if you're going to have a high-performing team, to me, it's a natural outcome that you're going to have some conflict. And without a leader, you're almost leaving it to consensus to try to deal with uh, issues where people have different opinions and different thoughts. So I think it's a given that you're going to have some. I don't know how you resolve it effectively if you don't have a leader. Um, You also um, need to have some succession planning, I think, in putting the team together. And if the leader for one reason or another, and we all know the way business works, all of a sudden your demands of, of a leader to be somewhere else, who's going to keep the process going? So um, I think you need a, a leader there to develop and grow the members as well to be able to f- fulfill some of the roles and the demands of a high-performing team. That's just the way I see it. Well, you know, when you're building a team, Bill, I don't care whether it's a sports team you're a religious leader, you're a political leader. One of the most components is is modeling behavior. You have to exhibit the behavior that you want your team to enhance. Great point. And if you are, for whatever reason, missing, hopefully you have that other person who understands the behavior, has adopted the model behavior, and can lead the team. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think when you look at a at a team, there's probably 15 to 20 percent who are high performers. You've got another 15 to 20 percent that are probably in the bottom struggling, but the rest are in the middle, which is the biggest percentage. And I think those people really need a, a good leader to, to get them to improve their performance. High performers, in spite of a good leader or a bad leader, they just perform. They're just people out there that are, you know, they're so self-driven. Uh, they're going to do what they need to do to perform, whether you're a great leader or whether you're not. But the majority of your staff, of any staff, uh, you know, is going to respond more to, I think, a good leader than someone who is not a good leader. Yeah. Well, Rick, that top 15%, they're really going to be the next set of leaders. And hopefully that middle tier are going to emerge into that top 15%. So a lot of that leadership that you provide, that modeling that you provide, should flow through the organization, flow down into the top levels and the mid-levels. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. A good leader, when you think about it, they're really not there to advance their own position, per se. 
a good leader, like you guys are saying, they're going to take everybody that's in their group and make them better. They're going to have everybody in the team build on their personal strengths so that they all fit into a, what was the one thing you were saying, Bill? One plus one equals three if you have the right team members. Synergy, yep. Where the good leader will find out, okay, this person is really good with this aspect of making this goal happen, but they're not good with the other part. So they'll have that person work with somebody else. So they'll have the different members of the team become a a better whole. Agreed. Well, why don't we uh, jump into some of the uh, dimensions that deliver high, oh, excuse me, forget that. Why don't we talk about some of the factors that uh, describe the behavior of a leader? So the, so the first one that I think is uh, worth discussing, team leaders um, inspire more than they drive. And by that, I mean, they're, they're more pulled and push. If you're working for an organization where the leader is constantly barking out orders, not in, being inclusive of the team, not getting their thoughts, not making them feel that their opinions value, has any value to them, then then you're probably not going to be a particularly good leader to inspire that mid-level of, of, of people that you have working for them. You know, if everybody's just sitting around and listening to you, you also get no feedback. Um, so it's hard to determine in my mind whether what you're putting out there is being well-received, not well-received, is a good idea. Or, or not a, a good idea. So I, I think, uh, you know, that first aspect that team leaders inspire more than they drive is uh, is really an important one. Well, if you just think of how many, I'm at lunch yesterday with a client who works for a large company, third largest software company in the country. His boss lives in Raleigh, North Carolina, Never, never reaches out to him. And when he calls, the guy says, what do you want? It's like, and he's saying to me, I'm struggling managing up to the leader. And it's like, you know what? You're not going to change the leader. Not going to happen. So you got to figure out how to adapt your needs and your preferences to the way this person <laughs> thinks leader, leadership is all about. There is no team. There's seven key enterprise salespeople that are, when he talks to the other members of the team, they go, it's just, he's a really nice guy. It's just the way he is. Yeah. I worked for somebody years ago and I was going in for a performance review and I sat down and he said, well, before we get started, you need to know one thing. My opinion of your performance counts more than yours. It's like, oh, okay, so we're pretty much done here. <laughs> what is the point of that thing? So, okay, so no matter what I think, it doesn't matter. So, okay, well, just you just tell me what you think, and let's just go with that, because why would I even bother to have any input? Why would I bother to even, you know, disagree with you when you're telling me that what, basically, in my mind, what, what I think doesn't matter? So is that, that a great, great way to in, in inspire a team member to perform well? I mean, I, I would suggest probably not in my opinion anyway. It sounds like that that person was just reducing everybody to a cog in the machine at that point and just letting them know that you're the cog in the machine. You really yeah. just don't so have any chance. I got way more votes than you do and mine count more than yours. So uh, what's on your mind? Well, yeah. okay, nothing. Wow. Well, yeah. one of the key focuses of a leader is communication. Mm -hmm. Another thing a leader has to do is be open. You know, it's the only way you're going to get the interchange of ideas and really uncover things within the, the, the goal that you're trying to accomplish. And the example that you gave will shut both of those down immediately. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We, 
Whether or not we deal with five dysfunctions, I think it's just worthy just mentioning the five, and then at some point, the Summit Club team may go into Lencioni's book a little more because it's been on the New York Times bestseller list for like 15 years, so somebody's got to think it's a value. We're talking about leading a team, the way Lencioni looks at it, number one uh, dysfunction of a team, of a high performing team is the lack of trust. Members of the team don't really trust each other. Number two, absence of conflict. I mentioned it before. You got to get all ideas on the table and you got to be comfortable enough in your skin to be able to talk about it. And, re you know, some aren't going to be appropriate and gosh knows, you might actually get a good idea. Number three is a lack of commitment. And if you're on a team but you're really not committed, you're only going to get out what you put in. If you don't put in much, you're not going to get much out. Uh, number four, avoidance of accountability. And in the last session, uh, number eight, we talked about accountability and when you're building a team. Uh, and then last but not least, number five dysfunction is focus on results. And lots of times people get more, more focused on the process than they do the fact that we've been meeting for six months and we still haven't come up with an answer. It's like, no. Uh, our job is to, to get results on, on the process, not just all feel good like we're going through the, the right motions. So uh, communication's key. Uh, you know, I, I think maybe we ought to spend a couple minutes talking about how the team could communicate, the kind of communication that might work a little better than others. What do you guys think? And what do you do if your team is not all in one location because now you've got different limitations on communicating when one's in Kansas City and one's in Boston or one well look I think that that certainly makes it more difficult but I, I think you know the first thing uh, in my mind that uh, impacts communication is trust if your team doesn't trust you and that's just that happens to be a word but that's got to be you know you have to demonstrate that over time they have to know that you have they that you have their back that you really listen to their ideas and you're just not paying them lip service because once in a while, you know, if it's a good idea, you'll utilize it. It doesn't have to be your idea. Uh, if you can build trust and then have open communication with your team, I mean, it works wonders. I mean, I've, I've found that if you really sit down with somebody and you tell them, okay, here's what I think we ought to do, and then you really listen to their ideas, and maybe you incorporate some of their thinking into yours. But even if you don't, at the end of the day, and you go, look, I mean, I, it's not a bad idea. You know, I really would like to do it this way. At the end of the day, it's, it's on me anyway. I've very rarely found anybody who wouldn't cooperate because they appreciate the fact that, uh, that uh, A, they trust you. You listen to their ideas. You solicited information from them. And again, I think they're always willing to go, okay, we'll try it this way. You know, with the caveat that, by the way, if it doesn't work in this period of time, we're going to stop doing that, and then maybe we'll try what you, you you suggested, rather than again just sitting there and going, "This is what we're going to do," and basically giving off the vibe that I don't really care what you think. I'm in charge. We're doing it this way. So, uh, communication is important. Tell you what, I've had experiences either running uh, meetings or team communication opportunities and doing it with some people calling out on a conference line and it was shared to me not in the meeting but outside the meeting 
we feel like second-class citizens. We're like, there's a delay in the, in the phone connection, whether it's a voiceover or whatever. By the time I go to contribute, the conversation has moved on. I can't see anybody. So, you know, in a day where we have um, FaceTime or GoToMeetings or BlueJeans or all these other interactive video conferencing resources, I find people want to be able to see what's going on. And if you're a responsible leader, you want to make sure Snyder's Pretzels has a commercial on where there's a guy that's in a conference call and he's chewing pretzels and everybody in the conference room is like, what the hell is that noise? <laughs> I think people really, they want to be connected. And if you're a leader, you want to make sure that they're not feeding the dog or uh, whatever, you know? Um, so I think the communication piece, we have a lot of opportunity to either stay on track or get off track. The other thing that I've run into is, is there an agenda? I mean, we're having a team meeting. We're, what are we doing? No, Nobody thinks we ought to have an agenda. Well, I think we should. And somebody on the team, we ought to have, I don't want to call them minutes, but there ought to be action items or something. What, what's the next step here? Is somebody going to be responsible? Make sure everybody's on the same page. That's all part of leadership to me. Yeah, it's great when you walk into a meeting, you know, and uh, you, you find out afterwards everybody thought the meeting was about something else. So they're coming in with their preconceived ideas and thoughts, and, and, and the meeting's not productive, and everybody walks out going, wow, we spent a lot of time, we didn't really accomplish very much. Well, there's an agenda, as Bill said, and they're talking points, and this is what we're going to talk about, and this is what we need to accomplish. At least everybody knows whether they choose to participate or not, what we're, what we're going to do, and what we're going to walk out of here with. So I, I think uh, an agenda is, really, you know, pretty you good remember idea. We had a management meeting. I'm sure you were in the meeting, and uh, an unnamed person was running the meeting and went around the table saying, "How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm doing All fine." Right, yeah. And we get to the chief engineer, and he says, "I'm doing terrible." <laughs> it's like he was totally unprepared for even the question, and everybody sat there going, "Why are you saying that? You know, how does? Oh my God!" So. I think you really need some structure around what you're trying to do in that gathering or that communication opportunity. You know, when you bring people together, managers from different departments, you know, there's a value to mixing up people's roles and positions. If you come in and you only have a, a position that's sales related, and you're sitting there with a financial guy, he's only looking at the financial picture. And then the woman in logistics is only looking at it from a logistic point of view. You know, to mix roles and, and cross disciplines, you actually learn quite a bit. That's yeah. where you probably create some conflict as well. Mm -hmm. And you find out what finance really thinks about what sales is doing and what they think sales needs to uh, deliver mm -hmm. based on the financial picture of the company. Logistics probably has a completely different idea. They're the ones that are responsible for getting it out into the marketplace. So there's a huge value to mixing up your teams so you can just get the conflicts out on the table, understand the perspectives that you may not understand totally within the confines of your own department. Right, yeah. I remember having, at least it's in the world that I came from, uh, talking to one of our uh, controllers, um, and his opinion of salespeople was, you know, they've got a lot of money. And based on what he saw them do, he didn't think they were worth it. Well, what he saw them do was internal <laughs> stuff like, 
paperwork. And a lot of salespeople aren't great at that, or they write up an order and they mess up the order. What, what he didn't see them do, and what they get paid for, is what they do when they're out of the office. He didn't see them selling. You know, and I remember saying to him, I said, well, you know, if, 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 if I, I agree with you, they are overpaid in, in, in the context that you're presenting it. I said, uh, you want to be a salesman? And he went, what, what do you mean? I said, I'll, I'll put together a list for you, you can be a salesman. By the way, it's straight commission. And he went, well, I, no, I don't want to do that. I said, well, then, you know, you ought to try to appreciate the value that a salesperson actually can bring to the table. And, and again, don't focus so much on the stuff that you see them not do well. You know, I, I mean, I agree with it. Some, you know, if a salesman can sell, I'll, I'll find somebody to fix their paperwork if they're not great at filling it out, as frustrating as that may be. But, you know, just taking the time to spend with, you know, with somebody who doesn't have a perspective that you think is important, I think is a, is a, is a good thing. I think that's a good point, John. Well, you know, the inverse to that is when the salesperson hears what the finance, the, the, the conflict is on the finance side of the business, maybe they take it upon themselves to improve what mm -hmm. they do with their paperwork. Right. Holy mackerel! Yeah. <laughs> All what right, I know it's a stretch. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's, it's the answer to the question when you say, yeah, you know I'm not good at paperwork. Okay, we'll get better. I mean, you know, you're causing someone else to do, you know, work that you should be doing. It's not that hard. Take your time when you're filling out the paperwork to put an order in, which affects your commission. Do it right the first time. It's not hard. So. Another thought, I have a couple clients that have what they call skip meetings. Does anybody ever hear of a skip meeting? No. Mm -hmm. A skip meeting is uh, somebody from the C-suite is in the plant having a meeting with people in the plant, skipping over so many levels of responsibility, authority, and management. And all of a sudden, the people in the meeting get a different view from where that person is and that person if it's c-suite or just a senior level uh, leader gets a whole different view of the reality down there because when you're up higher sometimes there's a lot of filters between you and what's really happening so they'll have it's not all the time but maybe once or twice a year a leader will have a skip meeting and usually the people between him and the meeting folks are a little nervous because it's like, why shouldn't I actually go to the horse's mouth and see what, and explain if they have questions. I'll be glad to tell them why we're doing what we're doing. Again, it's an expansive team then. It's a team with, in one case, the company has 435 employees. In another case, Bigger than that, has a meeting every month to talk about the financial results, and it's the president of the company in the front of the room. It's a manufacturer. There are guys there that just came from a, a seat up in a tree, yeah. hunting or whatever, that are sitting in a chair listening to the CEO tell yeah. them about the financial results of the company yeah. for the month. So maybe we used to do this at radio stations, you know, have a, a staff meeting like once a month, just talk about what's going on, and I would talk about our performance, because over half those people have no idea how we're right. doing. They don't know if we're making budget, they don't know we're not making budget, so if something that they wanted to do gets cut, you know, they don't know why necessarily. You go, well, why would he do that? Well, here's why. So here's where we are, here's where we thought we were going to be, here's what we were going to spend, but unfortunately, if we can't produce the revenue, we're not going to be able to spend all the money that we'd like to spend, so some things are going to have to get cut. Nobody likes that. But I mean, at least they have some understanding of, of it, I think a better understanding, rather than going, why can't we do that? Right.
I think what you could bring to the table is just to be genuine. Don't walk in into the office and all of a sudden you're a separate person and you have to try to exactly. Don't BS anybody. Just be genuine. If they if they ask you a question, they might not like the answer, but they're going to get the answer. Yeah. So John mentioned it earlier about modeling. It's always an opportunity to model the right whatever behaviors, the right presentation, whatever. If if you're going to have an expectation of people that are on your team, then you better, in some kind of frequency, show them the way it needs to be done in your mind. And and whether it's the way you dress, the way you prepare, um, the way you communicate. I don't. I don't. To Rick's point, where we kind of started today. I don't know how you can really be a high-performing team without a leader. Maybe a little here and there, but I don't think you're going to get the consistency or the or the uh, expectation and the results you're looking for. I love the point that Rick just made. Oftentimes, <clears throat> when we think about teams, we think of small groups with a specific goal that the company is trying to accomplish. What Rick just described was bringing every department together to understand what the company's doing, how they're performing, and how they plug into the mission of that particular company. That makes everybody in the company, whether you're 400 people or 400,000 people, a member of the team. Understand the objective, understand the mission, and thankfully be communicated to by the ultimate team leader, whether it's the CEO or, or a member. But Rick, I think that's a brilliant example. Yeah. Well, and you know what? It's an example, too, of an expanded team. And it's not a team of just your department. This is a team of the company. And so if he's out there listening to the podcast, when you take your sales in five years from 27 million to 132, it's because you're communicating with the larger team. Everybody's on the same page. Everybody's marching in the same direction. And there's an accountability and transparency. And when you sell it, you better be able to ship it and finance it (laughs) and design it. You bet, you bet. What were we talking about the other day? The big difference between selling in and selling through. Yeah, yeah. I always wanted to, but never could get the funding for it. I mean, again, in my world, salespeople get paid commission. So they make money based on performance. Um, Disc jockeys, make money based on their ratings performance, but the rest of the people get paid what they get paid. So I always wanted to create another fund for everybody who worked there who, who wasn't getting bonuses like the receptionists. So if it would be commensurate with a percentage of whatever they got paid. So hey look, if we make our budget at the end of the year, you're going to get this in addition to what you're getting paid. Now maybe that helps them be a little bit friendlier when when they're the first they're the first call that goes through the first person people from the outside generally run into. Uh, so if all those people you know have, have something you know in the game where they get something, it's like yeah, he's raining and raving all day about making budgets. Doesn't make any difference to me. I get paid my whatever I'm getting paid. There's nothing to it. But uh, you know I, I just can never get. The, the funding to make that happen, but I think if, if that's something that uh, you're working for a company and get that done, it's not the worst idea, and um, you know it, it really doesn't have to cost you tons and tons of money. Geez, Rick, I feel like like this is a testimonial here. <laughs> Every time you speak, it, no, it just shows the depth of your leadership. Well, and thank you, John. All inclusive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making all this up, by the way. I never did any of this stuff. You know, it's funny where Rick started with perform. The F is recognition and appreciation, and a lot of what we're talking about as far as a leadership competency 
is not just recognizing that, but doing something about it. And whether it's financial or it's some kind of a celebration or another kind of reward or recognition, it's really, really important <clears throat> almost to tie a bow around the end result of a high-performing team is to share uh, the rewards or the recognition and the accomplishment. What do we think, guys? We put a bow around session number nine. Till next time, don't forget summitclubpodcast.com. Go up there. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know how you're doing. Hit the subscribe button. If you give us an idea that we use on a future podcast, you get a t-shirt. Everybody likes a t-shirt. Say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, guys. See you soon. (laughs) See you later. To learn more about the Summit Club podcast, please find us online at www.summitclubpodcast.com. The Summit Club podcast is recorded and produced by Inertia Marketing and Design, a full-service marketing, digital, and graphic communications agency. You can find them at www.inertia.marketing. Thanks for listening to the Summit Club podcast, and we'll see you at the top.